You are now listening to the podcast of Circle 3 Cowboy Fellowship with Gary Lear. This is back on March 29th of 2020, and we'll be catching up from here. The sound quality was a little iffy on this one. It was right when everybody was learning to put church online when all of this started. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome to Circle 3 Cowboy Fellowship's podcast. We are patriots unafraid and unashamed to speak the truth and spread the gospel. Today's message is from Gary Lear. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. Uh, we 
We've seen it happen with 9-11. We're seeing it happen now. I've seen more and more people posting scripture on Facebook, people that I didn't even know knew how to read, much less read the Bible. <laughs> but they are, and, and that's great. I'm glad you are seeking God for answers because God is the one with the answers. But as it pertains to this scripture, I've had some, I've seen where some people have posted this scripture and, and, and are believing that maybe what we're going through here is some kind of wrath of God because the dates lined up. I think they posted some of this stuff on the 20th or maybe the 26th and they thought, okay, uh, this, this is the 26th and this is the, the day that Colorado shut everything down and we've all been bound to our homes. So this must be what this means. Folks, God doesn't just care about Colorado. Now, I know he loves us here in Colorado a little more than he does the rest of you because he's given us such a beautiful place to live. Okay, maybe that's not true. I have to be careful broadcasting like this. People may not know about me. They only believe about a part of what I say sometimes. That was one of them. But... You know, people in New York were quarantined before the 20th. So how does that line up with those days? People in California were quarantined even before that. So when I see people posting things like this, like what I can see is people are seeking answers for going on in the Word of God. But it's possible that we're taking some of this a little out of context. When we don't know the answers to something, oftentimes our mind will plug in its own answers for it. You know, occasionally I will wake up and my wife right off the bat will be mean to me. And I don't know why. So then my mind starts plugging in answers. Well, maybe I looked at her cross-eyed. Maybe I smacked her in my sleep. I don't know. When I don't know the answer to something, oftentimes my mind will run away from me and I will begin to plug in my own answers. And I think that's maybe just a little bit of what's happening. By the way, Sydney's not ever mean to me. Again, since we're broadcasting to the world, I need to get that out there. You know, while I'm talking about Sydney, um, many of you who watched last week heard me say that uh, I locked her in quarantine in the barn. Uh, that's not exactly true at all. Um, Cindy's not in quarantine. She's not been sick. But, but on a serious note, I'd ask Cindy to do me a favor this week. We were up on a job site. See, for whatever reason, contractors are considered essential. I kind of wish we weren't because I've got things that I to be doing. But we're considered, I guess, essential. So we're still working. And I was up on a job site this week, and I had to have some materials brought out to me. And, and so I called Cindy, and she was in town running her errands. I think this was Tuesday, maybe. Wednesday, something like that. And uh, I called her and asked her if she could go pick this stuff up and bring it out. So she did. And while she was bringing materials to me, she was involved in, a, in an accident. And uh, her little truck got totaled. And while that might seem like a bad day, it wasn't. Because she was hit broadside, probably at a speed of 45 to 55 miles an hour. It would have been a bad day if that car would have hit her four feet more forward than it did because it would have crashed right into her door panel on the driver's side. And I don't know if Cindy would be here this morning. She'd probably even be in or at the morgue. And I couldn't take that. I thank God 
for what happened on Wednesday. I praise God. I didn't want to have to go buy a new truck this week. I'll admit that. But I thank God that that car hit her on the rear axle rather than the driver's side door because she walked away from it. She had a stiff neck and a sore shoulder from the seatbelt, but otherwise she walked away from it. And I thank God for that. He was really looking out for her. And uh, we need to remember to praise God even when things don't seem so good. That was what that song we just did earlier was. But getting back to, to our scripture here, folks are scared. I understand that. I think the biggest problem with the fear that we're seeing right now is probably too much television and too many movies. Let me give you an example. I grew up in the era of the Jaws movies. When I was probably four years old when Jaws first came out, and, and uh, of course, we grew up in, in the Church of the Nazarene, so we weren't allowed to go to the movies then. But I remember when it came out on TV and the first time I saw it, you know, it's funny how back in the 70s, this horrible robotic-looking shark that looked so fake, but in the 70s, that someone buck looked real. And it, it was like I had nightmares from what, what that shark was doing to people. And so you might understand that when we go to the ocean, when we go to beaches, that is still always embedded in the back of my mind. So we went to Hawaii a couple months ago, and uh, the beach that we were staying on a year ago was closed because someone got killed by a shark only 60 meters off the shore. So my bristles were up just a little bit anyway because I have been affected permanently from the Jaws movies. I'll just say it. So we like to snorkel, we like to do these types of things. And as we're out there snorkeling, and you're looking at the rocks and all the pretty fish, but when you look out towards the open ocean, it's just dark blue. And I'll tell you what, I was on guard thinking there was going to be a set of teeth coming at me out of that dark blue. One thing I've learned about snorkeling is when you're snorkeling in a group of people, always carry a pork chop on a string. Because when somebody is stopped just looking at the pretty fish, you can slip up behind them and slip that string over their flippers. They don't know it's been put on there, and the shark will go for them before he goes. Well, that's my theory. Gives you a chance to escape. But we do. We've been influenced by television. We've been influenced by the movies. There's some movies out there, one of which is called uh, The Outbreak. And I've noticed on Netflix, it's, it's popular now. Everybody's watching. Stop watching that. It's fake. It's not helping. There was another one, a television program. I watched the whole series that came out a few years back called The Last Ship. I don't recommend you watch it right now. See, sometimes we allow the, the movies and the television to influence our way of thinking, and then when we're searching for answers, our mind goes back to what we saw on TV, and our worst fears come out. And I think this coronavirus is scaring people. To the point that we may be thinking, as this scripture just said, that, that we're enduring God's this. Folks, I do not believe that the coronavirus is God's wrath. We're not there yet. And let me tell you why. Whenever I see a verse being used the way this has been on Facebook, I always want to find out exactly 
Catherine, what's the context? What, what was the writer in this, this case, the prophet Isaiah? What was he talking about at the time? So I went back and I started looking the scripture over and I backed up to Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19. And it says this, your dead will come back to life, your corpses will rise up, wake up, shout joyfully, you who live in ground, for you will grow like plants, drenched with the morning dew, and the earth will bring forth dead spirits. Well, that's kind of gruesome sounding. But I'm familiar enough with scripture to know exactly now, that I know what Isaiah was talking about. When he's talking about this scripture, he kind of leads up to it in scripture, verse 19, where he's referring to what we believe to be the wrath, or excuse me, the rapture. Now, some of you at home may be saying, oh, that guy's crazy. There's nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about the rapture. Well, bear with me. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 17, Paul writes, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout of command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. See, that's what Isaiah was talking about. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will suddenly be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Now this event that Paul is writing about, the event that, that, that actually is being discussed in Isaiah, is not talking about the coronavirus right now. It's talking about the rapture and things to come. Okay? So let's look at the word rapture. That's a church word. That's something that we have, we have adopted in a lot of our doctrines. And as I said, many of you might say, well, wait a minute. I can't find the word rapture in the Bible anywhere. And you won't. It's not there. Rapture is a word in the English language that describes an event. The word rapture is taken from the Latin rapio for the two words to mean caught up. Used in 1 Thessalonians 4.17. And has come, become popular and used today to refer to the Lord Jesus coming for the church to lift it up to the heavens. So, rapio means to be caught up. I'm considering, because I think the lakes are still open and the weather is supposed to be good this lake this next week. I think Cindy and I are going to take the boat. And we're going to go try and rapture some bass out of Lake Powell. We're going to see if we can't catch them up and bring them up out of the water and get them into our line well. That's, that's the plan anyway. So rapio, it means to be cut up. That's what Paul is describing in Thessalonians. A time where Jesus will come back and he will gather up, he will catch up his church, starting with the dead, him with those of us who are left living. I hope I'm one of them. I want to see that firsthand. The rapture. That's what that's talking about. And I believe that's what Isaiah was talking about when he started talking about this. Because after the rapture, once the church has been taken out of this earth, then will come a time for wrath. Okay? God did not send his one and only son to die on the cross for you and for me so that he can take and punish and pour his wrath out on those of us who have accepted Jesus. As a matter of fact, 
If we look back in 1 Thessalonians again, it said, For God did not test in us for wrath, but for gaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us. So that whether we are alert or asleep, we will come to life together with Him. So how do I know that this scripture that keeps showing up all over Facebook is not referring to the coronavirus? Because the church is still here, folks. There has been no rapture, no rapio, no catching up yet at the church. That will be an event, a worldwide event. Nobody on earth is going to miss it. There will be those who are raptured and caught up, but there will be those left behind. Jesus tells us there will be two men plowing in the field. One will go, one will be left. Think about what that kind of an event is going to be like if you aren't one of the ones being raptured. You think the coronavirus is scary? What happens when you're on a plane and the pilot's a Christian? Think about it. I tell you this. If the coronavirus is scaring folks now, just wait till Jesus begins to truly reveal himself to this world. And that day is coming. We're not there yet. So if the coronavirus is not the wrath of God, what is it? Well, it's a sickness. It's an illness. How many of you have scars? We've all got them. I am like a, a scarf factory because I can't stop hurting myself. Don't like to do it, but it happens. Earlier this year, I ran my finger into a, a, one of my power tools and it took off part of my finger and I had a scar there. Just the other day, I laid a, a razor knife right across the top of my finger and that's gonna leave a really nice scar. And, and, and there's scars, I've got them all over my body. I've got a scar on my forehead that happened when I was an infant. I don't know, I can't remember the event, but according to my, my mom and my aunt, I guess, who were present when this happened, they were dragging me across the gravel parking lot in a wagon. This was before the days of seat belt because I fell out of the wagon into the gravel. Busted my head, and to this day I'm 49 years old, and that scar is still there. And I'm sure all of you have scars that you can point out all over your body. And those scars, there's a memory, for the most part, of what we did to get them. But what is a scar? A scar is an imperfection, isn't it? You look at yourself, and you look at your scars, and I look at that finger right there, and now all of a sudden, it doesn't look like the rest of the fingers. The rest of the fingers are still pretty good, but that one has a scar on it. It's imperfect. It's different. Okay? Scars are something that we live with. Folks, I tell you this today, sin leaves scars. When we have sin in our life, we will be caused to do things that we will live with the consequences of for the rest of our lives. I have plenty of scars that have come from sin in my life. The earth is scarred because of sin. God created a perfect habitat for humans to live with no sin. And then allowed sin into the world. 
You know, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Once they ate of that, they gained the knowledge of good and evil. Up until that, they had no knowledge of evil because evil did not exist. Think about it. We were created perfect in a perfect world. But because man took from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, evil was able to enter into the world, and sin is here. Now none of us are born perfect. We're no longer perfect. My wife thinks I'm the closest thing there is, but I'm still not perfect. She's over here vomiting, by the way, after I said that. <clears throat> You're not perfect, I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. We have scars. We have scars on our body, we have scars on our soul. The earth has scars as a result of the sin that came into it. God created this place perfect, but man allowed sin in, and when sin came in, all this trash came with it. And as a result of it, we have scars. Imperfections, right? This isn't a perfect world. We live with all kinds of things in this world that are perfect. Poison ivy, not perfect. The flu, not perfect. We've got folks dealing with cancer today. Cancer is not perfect. God did not design us to have cancer. Cancer is a result of sin coming into the world, and it's one of the scars that have been left on this world by man's sin. The coronavirus is a scar. The coronavirus is an imperfection. It is a result of living in a world that is no longer a perfect habitat for humans. And the more sin you have, the more scars you get. The old I'm getting, and the more I do damage to this body, the more scars that I can point to. The earth has been around for about 6,000 years now, full of sin. So we've got about 6,000 years worth of scars on this earth right now. And the older the earth gets, the more scars there are going to be. The coronavirus is nothing more than an imperfection in an imperfect world. But we serve a perfect God. We serve a God who is not afraid of imperfections. As a matter of fact, we serve a God who is in the business of making new our imperfections. Jesus did this. So why do I know that the coronavirus is not the wrath of God, as some people may be fearing? Well, Thessalonians tells us that we were not created for wrath. Those of us who accepted Jesus aren't going to be punished again. See, folks, we are living in a time now where God is not in the punishing business. He's in the redemption business. Now, we can go back into the Old Testament, and we can find scripture that said, well, look right here. God punished the Israelites. Look right here. God punished Jonah. Jonah got swallowed up by the world record largemouth bass. It's been three days in his belly.
Look what happened when they didn't uphold their covenants. Nebuchadnezzar came and got them. The Romans came and got them, tore their temples down, all of this. God did punish them, but I don't believe he punishes now. Why do I not believe that? Because Jesus came in and Jesus accepted the punishment for everyone. Everyone who accepts him. So God now is, doesn't need to punish. Jesus was punished. What God needs to do now is redeem. He needs to get us to accept his son and the gift that was given. Now there will come a time where the wrath of God will be poured out on the, on the earth for those who are left behind. For those who are not taken into rapture, there will be a time for wrath. Read it in the book of Revelation. There will be a time. But we're not in it yet. And the reason I know we're not in it yet is because we're still here. Folks, if you see me jetting through the sky like Superman, and the rest of the church jetting through the sky like super people, to meet Jesus in the air, you better know then now wrath is coming and you're in trouble. If you think the coronavirus is scary, what will the rapture be? I don't want to know. I don't want to be here. I, I, don't, I can't stand what's happening with the coronavirus. It drives me nuts to watch how, how people are acting. Just this little threat of the coronavirus has brought out in many ways, the worst in people. They rush to the grocery store and buy up all the toilet paper so that they can have two years' supply of toilet paper. They don't care about their neighbor who didn't get toilet paper. They don't care about the elderly who can't get to the grocery store to get toilet paper. They just go grab all the toilet paper or all of whatever. This little scare has not exactly brought out the best of people. Now, I will say, there are others who it does bring out the best in. There are people who are out there helping. There are people who are out there giving of themselves. There are people out there on the front lines in our hospitals and in our, in our, in our first responders, firemen, police officers, who are putting their lives on the line to make sure that we stay safe. So it is, too, it also brings out the best in people. But we see ugly at these times. What will it be when God takes his church out and all that's left are people destined for spiritual death. I don't want to be a part of that, folks. The coronavirus is bad, but it's nothing more than a scar on the earth. This is not the end yet. I know it's not the end yet because there are things that still need to happen according to Scripture that have not happened yet. But I'll tell you, folks, we are steamrolling towards them. Now is the time. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, now is the time to do it. For many of you at home who are watching, maybe you're thinking, well, what do I, I'm a good person. What do I need to be saved from? I've heard that. I've got a friend of mine who told me that very thing just a few years ago. He says, oh, you Christian, you always say you got to be saved. What do I need to be saved from? I'm a good person. Well, he is a good person. Without a doubt, he's a good person. I like him a lot. I like working with him. But what do you need to be saved from is the question. You need to be saved from sin. Well, I don't sin any more than you do. Somebody might say, well, maybe. But the 
sin I'm talking about is that sin of imperfection. What I'm talking about is that sin of not measuring up. See, I believe in the scripture there are two types of sin described. The first sin is the sin of not measuring up. Not being what we're supposed to be. We are a sinful people because sin was brought into the Garden of Eden. We are born with that sin, therefore we are sinful just by nature now. And then there's the sin of not following God's law. Not following God's commandments. Well, folks, before you can be expected to follow God's commandments, first you have to believe in God. Second, you have to get your sin that you were born with taken care of. I'm not worried about the sin of not following God's commandments that are being done by a sinner. How else would you expect a sinner to act? The sin you need to be saved from, folks, is the sin you were born with. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. None of us are perfect. We're all guilty of that sin. So the sin you need to be saved from is that. And the only way to be saved from that sin is to allow the blood of Jesus to cover it. Well, I can't remember if I used this analogy last week or not. I use it a lot for those of you who come to the church. You've, you've heard this, but I'm going to use it again. We've all traveled around this country. We go into public restrooms. We go into, I always use the term, the truck stop bathrooms, because they're about the most disgusting of most, most any public bathroom you're going to go in. You go in the truck stop bathroom and you look around and you see all kinds of graffiti written all over those bathroom walls. Terrible things. Ugly things. Vile. It's disgusting things. But the thing about a bathroom wall is this. Those things can be fixed. It doesn't matter what, how vile of a picture or how vile of a setting somebody puts on a bathroom wall, there is a way to fix it. And you go down to Home Depot, and you go into the very, in Montrose, you go into the very first paint aisle, and you're looking at the paint desk, the one on the left, and you walk all the way, about halfway down that aisle, and you look on your right, and right there they sell this product called Kills Primer. And you get a can of that Kills Primer, and you take it to that bathroom wall that's so vile and so disgusting, and you, and you brush over it. And that kills primer covers it all up. And then you go and you get a coat of paint, a new coat of fresh colored paint. And you put that paint on that wall and you paint over it. And it covers everything. It doesn't remove the graffiti. It covers the graffiti. For those of us who did the painting, those of us who saw that wall before it was painted, we know it's still there. But when you look at it, you don't see it anymore. Folks, that's what the blood of Jesus does for us. We can't change our past. We can't go back and undo the bad things we've done. We can't go back and undo the mistakes we've made, and we're going to bear the scars of those things for the rest of our lives. But what the blood of Jesus does is it takes that graffiti that's written all over our soul, and it covers it up just like that kills primer does. Just like that fresh color paint does. And so when God looks at us, when God looks at us on that day of judgment, he's going to see a fresh coating of his son's blood that was given for you and for me, and you will be saved. That's what you need to be saved from. Maybe rather than saying to be saved, we just say you need a fresh coat of blood of Jesus. Either way, it doesn't matter what's down here under that coat of blood. We can't change that. 
But what we can do is we can go and we can accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we can be painted over fresh and anew. So that when we stand before God on that day of judgment, He will look upon us and He will see but purity from the blood of His Son that was given for you and for me. That's what you need to be saved from. If you want to be one of those who are raptured, as we say, who are, who are caught up, if you want to be one of those who don't need to be afraid of coronavirus or really anything else, then you need a fresh coat of Jesus' blood. And to do that, folks, you just simply need to have to ask Him for it. God, I know that I'm imperfect. God, I know that I have this written on me. Lord, I beg you, I need a fresh coat of the blood that was sacrificed for me by your son. Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you paint me fresh and anew again? And folks, if you can do that, if you can do that with sincerity in your heart, really mean it, then you're going to be part of the raptured group. That you don't need to be afraid of coronavirus anymore. And I'm not saying that we should be cautious. We don't, we want to, we want to see this thing whip. This is just, this is like cancer. It's like, I want to see cancer whip too. I'm not saying that we should start breaking our curfews or we should start doing things that they tell us not to do. We need to go along with that. We don't need to live in fear. Not for those of you who've got a fresh coat of the blood of Jesus. The beautiful thing about the blood of Jesus just like kills prime. Somebody comes into that brand new bathroom painted wall and they write another thing on there that's kind of ugly. You just get your can of primer out, you coat it again, coat of paint, and it's gone. There will be times after you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior where you're going to mess up. We understand that. We all do. None of us are perfect. We still live in an imperfect world. We still live in a world where Satan is doing everything he can to write on that clean wall again. And there comes times where it may happen. Simply on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry. Can I have a fresh paint job? Forgive me, Lord, for what I just did. And you know what? They get that can of Jesus' blood out, and they just give you that fresh paint job. And they cover up whatever was written on you. And you're new again. See, folks, that's maintaining a relationship with Jesus after you've been saved. That's what we have to do. So I implore you, don't waste any more time. We're not at the end yet, but we are moving towards it. Coronavirus is not the wrath, but there will be a wrath coming. You don't want to be a part of it. I can assure you, what is coming will make coronavirus look like a day in the park. So as we close this service, if you've not accepted the Lord, I want you to do that. You're at home, we'll let you do that. If you don't know just exactly what to say or how to say it, contact me. Write me a note on Facebook. You can join, I think you can join my Facebook page. I usually say yes to everybody until you annoy me and then I get rid of you. We don't do that on the Circle 3 page. I just do it on my personal page. But join my personal page if you need to write me a private message. You can private message me and say, you know, I need to know how to get that fresh coat of paint. And I will tell you how. Leave me your phone number, I'll call you, and I'll walk you through it. And you know what? I can, if you're local, I can even set a time to meet you here at the church. We're closed for gatherings, but I can still meet one-on-one. So I want you to know that. I'm here to do for you what I can. That's my job. If you don't know Jesus today, you need to get to know him. With that, let's pray. We're going to close this service. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for those come. Lord, as we mentioned in the beginning of the service before our sound issues got fixed, I lift up the prayer request of this church. I lift up those who are struggling with cancer and sicknesses. I lift up those who are struggling with family issues and loss of loved ones. As, as I, I've, I've met with several over the past couple of weeks who are struggling with that. Lord, I just pray for comfort. I pray for your comfort upon all of them who are struggling today. Lord, let them know that you love them and you care about them. Lord, may your peace be given to them. I just pray now that you be with us, Lord, as we continue throughout our week. Pray that you help us work out our technical difficulties for next week so that our service will go off smoother. But Lord, we just thank you for the ability that we can still gather and we can still worship you. And all this, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to, but you're not really sure how, please feel free to email us at circle3podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's circle, the number three, podcast at gmail.com. We would love to help you out. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and click follow. That way you never miss a message. Cowboy churches are the fastest growing in the nation, so there's sure to be one near you if you'd like to try it out. Have a great day. See you next time.